quite the week in store for you this week, folks. Um, the country's at an impasse. We've talked about that quite a bit. Um, both sides are becoming more and more unresponsive. And as both sides dig in, Republicans and Democrats become more and more intransigent. Um, obviously, it's it's not surprising that startup third parties, more independents register. Um, people try to look for a home outside of these difficult uh, to get along Democrats and Republicans, these labels. Um, we've seen more independent registrations amongst American voters over the past 10 years than ever before. Independents now actually uh, outpace the registrations of both Democrats and Republicans in some states in the U.S., um, outpace at least one in many others. And then there are third parties, and sometimes the third parties are looking towards the middle, trying to find ways to pull from each side and meet in the middle. Sometimes the third parties are much farther to the left or much farther to the right. Um, a, a group in Arizona, the Patriot Party of Arizona, is arguably attempting to form a third party in Arizona further to the right but, um, than the Republican Party is, but doing it in a way that they believe can attract people from both sides. Their argument being that America was founded on individual liberty and states' rights. So this week, Politicon has welcomed to the show Daniel McCarthy and Maggie Vandenberg from the Arizona, the Patriot Party of Arizona, excuse me. And, well, it's not been my proudest moment. Um, we have done our very best over the past year and a half to talk about differences, disagree on opinions, and... Um, and, and still try to get along, because how the heck are we going to get along is, of course, the name of the show. But sometimes universal truths um, do exist. I think universal truths all do exist. And, you know, as much as we may try here, <laughs> it doesn't always work out. And so for the first time in a year and a half of doing how the heck are we going to get along we didn't. Um, stick with the conversation, maybe some enlightening moments, um, uh, some glimpses, some glimmers of hope in just a moment or two, um, but, but then a lot of sadness, really, uh, as we realize even more than I think we have in the past year and a half, how far we are from being able to get along. So maybe next week we'll figure it out, but this week I'm not sure we figured out how the heck are we gonna get along. Hi, nice to meet you. Hello, likewise, nice to meet you. You're very Arizona proud with your flag back there. Yes. Yes, we are. Where are you? Now, you're, Maggie, are you from Arizona? I know you weren't born there, um, Daniel, but but are you from? I'm, I'm not, I'm from California originally. What brought you both to Arizona then? Well, he's been here a long time, and I moved here for uh, freedom and to work with the Patriot Party of Arizona. I moved here in May, but he's been here for almost 20 years. Yeah, I've been here for about 20 years. Um, I was infatuated with Arizona since the time I was a kid growing up in New York and just seeing how much uh, the Western culture was different from where I grew up in comparison. Um, I was an active hunter and fisher growing up, so Arizona is just like a dream world for, for someone like me, you know? 
wait for hunting and fishing? I yeah, mean, I've been yeah. to Arizona and it is absolutely gorgeous in so many places, but is it a hunting place? Because I would have thought you'd have to go to Wyoming or Montana or somewhere that's got more greenery. No, no, it's, it's actually, it's funny you say that. It's very deceptive really because uh, Arizona has some of the most uh, most vibrant hunting grounds for elk and deer in the country. And yeah, most people don't know it yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. Most people are, they think of Arizona, they think of the desert with Phoenix or, you know, but you get outside, there's there's some of the best places in, in the world to hunt. See, isn't that interesting? You're good. You're a good ambassador then for the state because you know it well, and I would never have known that. I mean, Sedona, Phoenix, those areas, the desert is gorgeous for sure. But I did not know that. Um, what is? But I mean, do you just as soon as you started, when I asked you, Maggie, why you moved, you said you moved there for freedom. You said you were in California. You didn't feel like you had freedom there. No, I did not. Definitely why not? not. Arizona's more free than California. Go, Maggie. I would say absolutely at this point. Um, I've watched California move from a red state to a blue state to a full-out communist state at this point. Uh, I feel very sad for many of my friends and family who are still stuck there who feel compelled and forced to take a mandatory experimental medication um, of of this forced vaccine in order to be able to function in society. My sister has basically now been put into a position where her children are not going to be able to attend school. They don't know what they're going to do. She can't go to restaurants. She can't take her son to a movie uh, without providing a vaccine passport. And it's beyond disturbing that this is what we're living through in America in 2020. But you're not living through it because in Arizona you have freedom, right? Yes. Well, luckily, we, we, I, I have not worn a mask since I've been here. Um, they don't have the same vaccine passport rules, although, you know, every single day we're working to fight to keep these freedoms. And we have to basically uh, put pressure on our Rep, like political representatives to do the right thing because you know there's constantly this sort of push and pull with our politicians who you know want to bring in more and more of these progressive policies like we see in California. Is that the thing that really probably has fired you up the most? Is this is the COVID situation, Maggie? I would say that as well as just seeing what happened after the election. I was working in Washington, D.C. on on election night, and I was in Washington, D.C. more or less through January. And I saw what happened um, with the transition of power. I saw what happened with our elections being uh, such a mess the way they were. I saw the installation of the Biden regime, and I was, you know, incredibly disturbed by what I've seen. So, Right now, I feel like our country, we're living through a communist takeover, and it's its frightening. And I think that there's many people right now who are fleeing blue states and seeking refuge in states where they believe that they're going to have more freedom, at least for a longer period of time. Um, places where they don't want to be forced to have to give a, a mandatory, you know, experimental poison to their children or, you know, because yeah, you keep the reason I ask is you keep coming back to that. But I would love to hear. I mean, Daniel's is it sort of the same thing for you? Those the same issues. The covid thing can't possibly be the only thing that made you guys want to start a new party, no. um, a yeah. separate party. So I, I I mean, I'm happy to talk about that, but I yeah. have to imagine your platform is bigger than simply about vaccines, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is. And, and I can tell you that I come from a different perspective where my mother 
ran for politics when I was very young. So my mother got involved at a local level in the town I grew up in. And I seen kind of the underbelly of politics as uh, as a grown woman was becoming awakened to how corrupt our system was. So I'm kind of plagued with a different vantage point where from a very young age, I witnessed how corrupt both parties are and how corrupt the system is as a whole because over time, that's just what happens even in the most righteous systems. Inevitably, they become corrupted. And our, our system, unfortunately, has been going down that path for many years. Our history has been rewritten. All those things have happened. And I was kind of a product of that where we fled New York. And what I mean by that is like literally my entire family started migrating from New York about 20 years ago on the premise that you could see the writing on the wall that certain freedoms that we once enjoyed were starting to become limited, specifically around gun rights. Um, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of of the culture of of what gun rights in America mean. And, and, and it, also we've seen a lot of things that just didn't make sense to us, in, in which case Arizona seemed like a more suitable fit to kind of the culture of our family. When we got here, what I was amazed by was is how corrupt the John McCain ecosystem was and the Republican ecosystem was and how I how the Democrats that ran the the New York system were the same as the Republicans that ran the Arizona system. So I started becoming very active in politics and look, I'm you know, I think I I think my viewpoint on the government's involvement on our on our lives is pretty consistent with probably the overwhelming majority of Americans. Individual rights, individual freedoms, less government, um, allowing the free markets to work through problems, getting the government out of the way of all of our problems seems to be, I think, the rationale behind why our country has been so successful. So, um, so I mean, yeah. I'm he I do hear a bit of a difference. Do you think the two of you agree on most things or is there a, is there a difference between even within the uh, Patriot Party of Arizona in, no. in viewpoints? Because no, I, I no I no I no we're, I, we're I in agreement yeah I would say yeah. well because I hear from you Maggie a lot of especially buzzwords like the Biden regime and words mm. like communism, um, but I'm hearing from you David. Daniel. More of a gen. Yeah. I'm sorry, yes. okay. uh, Daniel. I don't know why I said that. Okay. I'm hearing from you, Daniel, um, that there is, like, you see bad in both parties. Do you see bad, equal amounts of of bad in both parties, Maggie, or do you see more in one versus the other? Well, I think that at this point, it's pretty apparent that the Democratic Party has been hijacked by the radical left and. There is very little room left for any kind of moderate, you know, opinions within the Democratic Party, unfortunately, you know. Well, I mean, Joe Manchin might disagree, right, because he's certainly been able to get a lot more of what he wants than some of the folks well, on the left have, have been well, able to. And that's what I would say is like you have you have a, a sort of this radical, I don't know, this radical group sort of that has taken over and hijacked the Democrat party, but that, being but have said, they been effective at it? I mean, they haven't I been able to pass. They've been, they've been pretty effective. Um, yeah, they would, don't you think they would argue that they haven't? I mean, wouldn't they say, well, shit, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are stopping us from getting done what we want to get done and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. If I could, can, if yeah. I can interject. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think that 
Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema actually have anything left than radical desires for our country either. This is smoke and mirrors. This is political theater. So what they're going to do is is act as though as Democrats they are more moderate when in fact by the end they'll have the same results that they were going to have in the beginning. It's just a slow rolling to make Americans more and more comfortable with the impending doom that's upon us. So how long has this doom been coming? I, I'd say I'd say probably for the extent of over a hundred years. I'd say that the, a lot of the well, things. Well, it's taken I, a long ass time to get here, Daniel. Is when's it coming? Well, I, I I hope I think it's restrained only by supernatural things, and I and I hope to God that we can continue to see that restraint because I I think the hell that's going to come on this planet, God forbid, the United States comes to its demise, is going to be something that this world has never seen before. Do you do you think that because you use the word radical? Do you think that there's anyone who who would who would make the argument that what you think is radical? I don't know how individual rights and individual freedom could be considered radical. I don't know how less government could be considered radical. Those used to be pillars in our society. Uh, I don't know how anything I could say is anything Do you think more... there's any country now that's doing it right? In terms of like a like a, well, a free... what, what, The things that you think are, are paramount to a, a, in your mind, a well-functioning society slash government. Is there a country right now that's doing better than us? No, no, no. I mean, the idea of America still is still in it just from the state. It's just the example of America. The idea of America is still uh, the best thing that's out there. Yeah. Maggie. I would agree with that. What, what I, I, I had, Tommy Lahren is, has been a, a friend of the podcast and a friend of Politicon, um, and we have similar discussions at times. And I asked her, I've asked her a few times, she, she mentions the word socialism a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I've asked her a few times to explain to me what parts of socialism she is afraid are coming into America. Can you do the same thing with communism? What, what parts of America right now are you feeling are communist? Sure. Well, yeah, it's very, very simple. The, the most corporate entities have been consolidated in, in some way, shape or form are working in tangent with the highest officials of the United States government. So in this, in the same effect that communism, who, who for example, well, I mean, look at the major tech companies as an example. Look at well, the, I mean, I look at most of the tech companies like Facebook and see them getting their asses shredded and handed to them at the White House by people on both sides of the aisle, Republicans I, and Democrats, giving them shit. Um, and so, so I don't know that I would believe that they are being owned by any government entity, are they? Well, certainly they are because their actions speak louder than their theater that's being conducted on D- at, on the Hill in D.C. I mean, D.C. I would hope I would hope that if our government did own these companies, that they would at least get more money from them than they are. I mean, <laughs> well, they yeah, certainly no, I- aren't getting any tax money from Amazon or Google, right? <laughs> Exactly, but I think they're getting exactly what they want, which is controlling the population, controlling the populace's uh, propaganda, what's being fed to the populace, controlling what the narrative is on a, on basically on a whim. They can stir up so much hostility towards it. They've literally divided our country. Well, how would how would if they were able? I I, I want if we can, because you mentioned. I want to continue on that one particular question because it's very important. We're already living in the United States under the planks of what the Communist Manifesto called for. We're way past socialism. I mean, we're Yeah, in- but you're but but in order to do I, I want to question that premise by asking if the government truly had the control over social media or these tech companies that you say they do, then why 
wouldn't they be able to force Facebook to do the things they wanted them to do? I, I Is it know. that the government owns the tech companies or do you think the tech companies own the government? I, I, I mean, I think it's a, regardless of the semantics of like the, the precise ownership or who's doing what, there's some entity, whether that's a, I don't know what you want to call it. Like I said, it's uh, call it, call it a cabal, call it whatever you want to call it. There's clearly some entity, small group that controls the largest corporations in our country and most officials, if not all of the officials in the federal government, okay, I, would they, so, I, would, so if, I would suspect that they own the majority of the state officials. So if we if we go well. along with that premise, because I do think okay. words matter. So if we go along with that premise, then we're not talking about communism, right? We're talking about some sort of oligarchy instead, some sort of group of people that's not the government, but some sort, and this is in your theory, some sort of group of people who is all powerful and has control over both the business interests and the government interests of the country. But that's not communism, that's an well, oligarchy. That That is how communism typically ends up though, right? There's a, usually a ruling No, the government, communism everything. is the government being in charge. Now, there may be a few people in charge in that government who are the Politburo or whatnot, right? But they are the government. And what you're saying is not that the government has control, but there are certain people who have control over both flanks. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of progressives who might agree with that. I agree. Who might agree that people like Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, uh, crap, I can't think of his name from Twitter. Jack Dorsey have <laughs> right, far right. much, have far too much power sure. in, in a situation. But that's not communism, right? That's Rich people being in charge. <laughs> That's not the government being in charge. Again, I, I think the semantics of a legal definition or a, a defined definition of a specific term is less important than what's really well, it's, going it on. Well, it is important if you're going to accuse somebody of being communist, well, right? Because I, because I think when you throw words out like communism, it immediately makes people think, wait a second, are they being – is that true? I mean, can I trust them? Because right. that's not communism. It's We can actually maybe agree that there is an oligarchy. If we agree on what it is, but communism is not it. So if you use that language, then I now all of a sudden think, wait a second, I, I don't know that they know what they're talking about. Well, I would I would define communism in many different forms throughout the world's history, and I would define it as Karl Marx's, you know, basically if you look into Marxism and if you look at the early seeds of this radical type of government, it's clearly what officials in our government have subscribed to. And many I of think if Karl Marx could see what's happening in America today, he would roll over in his grave 15 times because he would hate it so much. Why do you say that? In what regards? Well, because Karl Marx would not be happy with the fact that we have certain rich people who have massive amounts of money and massive amounts of power while there is such income inequality. Do you think that there is income inequality in this country? Do you think that there are people who have far more and people who have far less and that there's disparity? Because that's certainly not communism. If they were trying to make it communism, they'd be redistributing that shit. That's, they aren't doing that. Well, that's a, well. in all fairness, this new form of, of evolutionary communism or whatever you want to call it is in fact just that. Well, yeah, but Clay, no, think about what you just said. You're, you're saying that there's no discrepancy of, that's, that's untrue. And if you go to communist China right now- Wait, I'm saying I, there's what? 
that in, in, there is there's huge income discrepancy within a communist government. There's huge. There's not there's, in Karl Marx. We're not talking about Chinese communism. We're not talking about Maoism. We're talking about. Okay, so, you so, said so, Karl okay. Marx, so I'm okay, so, specifically okay. talking about Karl so, Marx. You asked so, me why so, you were okay. all over it. Okay, back to, back to the main problem that you and I are having. I think in this conversation is is we're struggling to get to technicalities of terminologies, which we can do that if you'd like. But let's. I think you and I are both on the same page on one thing, which is there's a small group of elites that are clearly controlling and orchestrating what's going on in our country. And I think everybody at this point, left, right, in the middle, everybody is in agreement that there's something more happening here considering the fact for the last 18 months, we've been told that we have to wear the government on our face everywhere we go, regardless of what the statistics say. We can't even question the statistics. If you do, you're kicked off social media. You're, it doesn't matter if you're even driving income for that. You can't even say anything outspoken about it in terms of you, like the fact that you can't even function in our society anymore without taking an experimental uh, experimental drug. And if anybody questions that, it turns into this. Um, I mean, this isn't this isn't America. This isn't this isn't normal. I want to let Maggie get in because you had a few things that you wanted to say a minute ago, Maggie. <laughs> well, I was just sort of trying to chime in with this idea that I think that a lot of people, when they hear the term communism, they think of, um, you know, Soviet Russia, or they think of the, you know, rations and, you know, uh, you know, lack of food and very harsh conditions. And I think that the communism that we see playing out and seeping into America looks a lot more like communist China. So I'm glad that you guys, I kind of just let you guys go because that sort of made the point of when I use the term communism, I think that that's more of what we're going to see as sort of this Orwellian, big brother, police state, um, you know, social credit scores, vaccine passports. But but with uh, outside of this vaccine passport thing, which clearly you've got a hair across your ass about, so I, I'm, I'm not going to even try to argue with you on that. Is there another example of this big brother state um, uh, communist China that you see specifically that you think is happening? I mean, I'm... I'm yeah, I do. I, I think that we've seen this, especially over since the election, sort of this idea of labeling, lar you know, millions of Americans who supported Donald Trump as, you know, domestic terrorists or, you know, anybody, if you search something specific on Google, they're going to hand over your search results to certain government agencies that people are going okay, to... Okay, so, so, well, that's just categorically not true because you can't hand over Google search results. You can't even get them unless you have a warrant no, no, from a judge. So, so that's just not true. So I want to find the things that we agree on, right? Because okay. kind of what we okay, do here. Well, let's, because let's, I, don't, I don't think we agree exactly as you were just saying in second ago, Daniel. I don't agree that there is this cabal of people. I'm saying that there are lots of folks on both the right and left who would agree with you. Um, I might not be one of them, but there are plenty on both sides who might agree there's a cabal of people. But I will agree that, you know, and we've talked about it on this show quite a bit, that labeling anyone who supported Trump as a domestic terrorist is, is wrong. It's unfair. Okay. Um, it's not acceptable to do that. But are there people... In that group on January 6th, are, was anyone there in that entire 20,000 plus that attended the rally on January 6th, were any of them um, violent enough to become domestic terrorists? To be, to be held indefinitely inside of a prison? Jake, the gentleman that's being held, the guy that wore the horns 
uh, is being held indefinitely. He's been held in solitary confinement. This is a gentleman that served our country. He's a veteran he's, in our country. He's also, but he's also had access to his lawyer, and he's had the due process that that. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I, I, the the type of treatment this man has received. I, I've been in communication directly with his attorneys. I, I know this guy. He's he's a Phoenix resident. This but is the fact that, that he has attorneys who he's working with tells you immediately he's had due process, right? So that's not due process. That's not. So wait a second. Hold on a second. So you're asking me a question, Clay. You're saying to me, what do I feel about these prisoners? Let's take the most most. No, I'm uh, asking you if any of them were domestic terrorists. Okay, was well, breaking I, into the Capitol building I, an okay, act of I'm, domestic terrorism? I'm t last time I checked, the police actually ushered them in. There was there was a situation. The police in which, did not usher them into the to the Senate floor. Yeah, there's video. Uh, the there's, there's, there's video of this. Like the police were standing there. They were in front. There was no violence even being conducted. There was not. There was nothing being done. And, and okay, my so question, you're so then so then it's a no. We disagree here. No, no, you I, don't I'm, think that you I'm do trying, not believe. I'm talking. You do not believe that anyone who broke into the Capitol building would be considered a domestic terrorist. And if that's what you believe, I'm willing to let you believe that. I'm I, just saying I, I don't agree I'm with a, you. Clay, in this new America that we live in, I'm afraid to say what I believe. Am I, am I going to get rolled up? Is it going to be okay if I believe that? Should I be rolled up because There's I believe There's only that one way to find out. I just told you what I believe. Well, yeah, because you 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 are you guys think on that side of the aisle, like you guys think this type of like some uh, the sympathy towards this type of like I said, this type of thinking is going to satisfy them. They're going to keep on taking more and more and more until eventually. Who is they? Like I said, this agenda that's that's been unleashed on America. This agenda that that is out there that you want more examples of. Let me give you another example. In this infrastructure, in this infrastructure bill that that the Biden administration is trying to pass through, would regulate any transaction over six hundred dollars from a banking institution would have to be reported to the government. You're talking about an environment now where literally everything you do is monitored and tracked. The, the Patriot Act, which by the way was a Republican that passed through, has thrown away our Fourth Amendment, our Fifth Amendment. Um, we're dealing with individuals. I have a a guy here in Arizona that was arrested at a school board meeting for speaking outside of the school board meeting. He wasn't even inside the school board meeting. He was held and detained overnight. He's literally in a lawsuit right now. I mean, this is this is a situation I, where- I think everyone on both sides, on all sides, on every corner of this spectrum, if, it, if that's what it is, can find empirical examples of, you know, this happened here, this happened here. And we can certainly choose to conflate those into being examples of what's happening all across the country. Merrick, Gar Merrick Garland, the attorney general, just put, us, put FBI agents to investigate parents at school board meetings. I mean, I don't know. When, it, when is it going to be enough for anyone in this country that's sympathetic towards the left's agenda? When is it going to be enough I'm for you guys to say— fact-checking on that school board meeting thing. Hopefully someone can do that for me because I've not heard that. But <laughs> Merrick, <laughs> investigating Merrick, who? Merrick, Gar Merrick Garland has in instructed the FBI to now be uh, to now be working with local law enforcement officials because the school board meetings have been attended by too many parents that are being too outspoken and there's too many threats supposedly going to their school boards. So now the FBI is involved in orchestrating whether or not parents are being too outspoken on the ground of school board meetings. And this is where I have a this is where I'm starting to get a little concerned about like I said the left of this country or the right of this country. Everyone's ignoring this overwhelming presence and strong hand of the federal and local government on activism, on the political process. It's like we disagree with someone, so we want them arrested. So like I said, 
you're comfortable with the fact that this guy who is an outspoken activist in, in Phoenix, he's been held, I believe in Colorado, frankly, in, in indefinitely, he, he's, he's solitary confinement. He, I mean, this is not normal treatment of someone that literally was escorted into the Capitol, into the Senate floor. Um, I mean, I'm not a Trump fan, by the way. I mean, I, I don't I didn't go uh, to DC on January 6th mainly because I could tell it was a trap it looked it smelled like a trap um who said it I think I think I think Donald Trump and the Republican Party did I think Donald Trump and the Republican you Party live in fear Daniel don't you no I don't live in fear you think everybody's against you I mean if everything is a conspiracy right Clay, it's it's just not fair. I mean, it, I don't live in fear. I live in a reality. I'm just looking at the situation on the ground and then making making conclusions and reverse engineering what's happening based on things that are happening on the ground. I don't care. I mean, it's just what's happening. But you do care. You're running. You run ran for Senate. You are. You've started a political party because you yeah. feel passionate enough about it. But the political party has said that you want to attract Democrats as well. Is that true? I want to attract anybody who's in favor of individual rights and individual freedom and less government and, and, and capable. But what is the perfect system then for you? The perfect system is, is I mean, you've got a long, you've got a huge expanse here between communism and anarchy. And I don't believe that, e that you would want to fall either, on either end of that spectrum, right? right? So where do you fall? Uh, and what, if Republicans and conservatives and libertarians in Congress right now don't believe in enough individual liberty for you, where, where does the Patriot Party of Arizona fall? Well, it's funny. I, I'm glad you brought this up. This is a great, I mean, there's a lot of history here, right? I mean, the progressive era, I mean, a lot of people don't know that Lincoln was a, a, a Marx fan. And I mean, there was a lot of things that happened in the progressive era of our country that were completely undermined the system that we once had. For instance, you know, the 17th Amendment, when the 17th Amendment was passed and state representatives no longer pick our federal senators, um, you know, we've we've slowly and systematically taken away the okay, essence. But you, so wait, but state but, representatives, state representatives no longer pick our senators so that people can directly elect them. Do you feel that that particular amendment to the Constitution that allowed for the direct election of senators, you don't feel like that actually empowered the population of uh, individuals more? No, it's it's actually disenfranchised the relationship between citizens and their state representatives that once existed and that's supposed to exist in our country. There was a reason our republic was, you know, so successful and the foundation of our republic was so successful was because of the relationship of the individuals being self-governed and having much more much more activism inside of their inside of their government. And whenever you consolidated control to the federal government the way in which we have, Every society, typically, specifically republics, have a shelf life, and we're in that period of time where you're seeing the decay of a progressive agenda mainly pushed through, like I said, regardless of the technicality behind it, whether you want to call it communism or Marxism or whatever whatever nuances you want to latch onto, we're in a situation where they've slowly taken a great republic and they've dismantled it, the most vital pieces of it. And unfortunately, um, we're now living through a time period where, like you, like you asked, like what's the perfect, what is the perfect government? I don't think we could ever achieve a perfect government, but I do believe a government that encourages activism and encourages uh, self-governance and individual rights is is really close to where America once was. And so no government. There. I mean, I, I guess I just, I guess I'm trying to find, like I said, that place on the spectrum. 
mm-hmm. on the sliding scale, Maggie, if you want to hop in too, I don't want to leave you out, obviously. But if there's a if there's a place on the sliding scale where the P- Patriot Party of Arizona feels we should be, should there be a federal government at all? What is its role? Um, what what's its importance at all? I mean, at this point, I I don't have any confidence or faith in the federal government. I mean, I think that they've been compromised. I think that both parties are corrupt. I think that I I don't trust in our elections. I don't trust in our federal elections. So at this point, I really don't have much confidence in the federal government. So I I And Daniel, you feel the same way? Yeah, I think the federal government is 100 percent compromised. And I think it's I don't I don't know if we've had real elections in this country for quite some time. As a matter of fact, I think. If so why did you run for the federal government? Um, well, my situation was was interesting because in 2020, when I decided to jump into the race, uh, we had a Republican state government that was advocating for what I believe is some of the most dangerous policies across our country, which are called red flag laws. Red flag laws are a, a situation where your neighbor hypothetically could um, call and as a result of their efforts could have you forcibly removed from your firearms inside your own home. So when I saw the Republican Party here in Arizona starting to advocate for these, uh, I looked at what options I had available and, and running a massive statewide campaign as an activist was much more successful under the banner of a Senate run. So I used my Senate run to advocate for the things that I was gravely concerned about at that time. And just coincidentally, uh, COVID and uh, all these other things happened in uh, after I decided to get into the race. So it was kind of a benefit for me because I had built a very loyal following across the state and a very loyal, um, a very loyal fan base here in Arizona. So, um, and by the way, just to, to rewind, we were very successful in our efforts to push back against red flag laws in Arizona. Actually, about a year later, has since passed a, a version of a bill that we wanted passed, which was two one one one, which basically null and voids any federal efforts uh, to to do anything uh, against our constitutional rights to bear arms. So I'm. You know, I'm very happy with with uh, the fact that we were able to use the process to be successful. I, I I don't necessarily care to have a public office, although I would love to serve in some capacity. I'm mainly concerned about the fact, Clay, that um, – and this is why – back to the question you had about about Democrats. Look, JFK Democrats today would be, would be conservatives, right? I mean there's, there's evolution in the party. Eisenhower Republicans would be Democrats. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think we just have to stop categorizing each other in certain ways. And just like you said, I mean, most of us are, are just just want to live a life where we don't have to worry about a police state, don't have to worry about a federal government overreaching on our on our rights, our, which I believe are God given rights, by the way. I believe those rights are inalienable, meaning that they're not given to us by any human. They're actually given to us and, and they're ours to have regardless of what one person has. So I think in America, we have a responsibility for that. Is so is so. I mean, arguably, as I'm still trying, and I won't push any further to to do it. I'm going to do it for you, and you're going to tell me if I'm wrong or not. Okay. I'm trying to find a place on this spectrum, and I and it it sounds to me, at least when I hear from you, Daniel, very libertarian, very very libertarian streak. Does that extend to? Civil rights as well. I mean, it, it does, do you think marijuana should be legalized? Do you yeah. think that um, same-sex marriage should remain legal? Do you think that women should be allowed to make their own health care choices with their doctor, including uh, ending a pregnancy? Are, are, those, are, are those parts of a – I mean, those are libertarian things. Those are individual liberties, right? Do you, how, where do you stand on all that stuff? 
so yeah, from the first one, yeah, I, I I don't think it's the government's role to to determine whether or not a state, the federal government has no determination whether a state decides to legalize any substance, whether that's marijuana or anything else. I think it's the state's responsibility to make that determination for each state. Um, I myself am, am I think that marijuana legalization is 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 fine. I I don't for I don't think the government should be involved with that myself. Um, in terms of you mentioned uh, gay marriage, um, I do believe that uh, a marriage is an individual right for someone and that individual right is legally between a man and a woman. I believe that that is necessary for a fabric of society that is based on a, a Christian values that we that, that have permeated across our society. And by the way, that's— Clay, So, so, so I, just I, hypothetically I wanna, then, is, wanna, is it, wanna, would it be okay because I'm giving the rights to the state— here, right? Because I hear you, I mean, states' rights are a big thing for you. Would it be okay for a state to say, okay, in our state, marriage is only between a man and a woman, but in Nebraska, it can be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Any state could make those rules for themselves is what you're saying? Hypothetically, yeah. So that's not the federal government's job to determine. And could, it, could that same state, so, so Arizona could say, in Arizona, marriage is between a man and a woman, Nebraska could say in Nebraska, marriage is between any two people, regardless of their sex. Um, Oregon, could Oregon say marriage is between two people of opposite sexes, but of the same race? Would that be okay? I believe that the state governments uh, have the overriding authority to determine what happens in those states when it comes to individuals. Uh, okay. Rights. So, so, so then in your in your scenario, because states have the rights, if a state like Oregon said yes, people who get married must be of the same race, no interracial marriage marriage in Oregon, that would be that would fall that would be fine. Yeah, no, Clay, I, I didn't say it would be fine. I'm no, saying- but it would be okay with under it's it's the state's right to do that. That's what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is that there is a, a, a government authority to make those determinations, and so and the government, according to our constitution, according to our constitution, it'd be according the state, to our constitution, the state, the state can make the law. It'd be the state government's role right. to so make it, those laws or not so, make those laws. Right. So, but but I'm saying if you were in federal government, mm-hmm. which you don't like, because under this scenario, you can stay in Arizona and make sure the laws work the way you want to in Arizona. But right. you're saying the federal government should not be able to tell Oregon, no, you cannot restrict marriage and keep it from being between people of different races. Oregon, if that's what you want to do, the federal government cannot tell you you can't. I, I don't think the federal government should be able to tell the states anything in regards to what so, they can and cannot do. Okay, so that would also mean that the federal government could not tell Alabama or Mississippi or North Carolina, where I'm from, you cannot, you must, you must integrate schools. If North Carolina wanted to continue well, in that scenario to keep schools segregated, they would be the, allowed this, to become. This, this, is, this is the type of argument, right, or this is the type of conversation that basically took Barry Goldwater, who was advocating for states' rights on these very sensitive issues, and this is an example of how they literally decimated his career, who was a who was an authentic conservative, who just cared that the states had the rights under the Constitution that they I'm were not, afforded. I'm not I'm, arguing with you on it. I I'm not, know, no, I'm, I'm not arguing with you on it. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. It's, it's I'm just, just trying to come up with this society know, that know, you want. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to permit, I'm just trying to give an example of how demonizing these type of conversations can be. So by, by having these type of, of hypothetical scenarios, which by the way, like 
no one. But can I make, have to have a hypothetical because I'm trying to figure out where the line is for you. you. I mean, you know where you obviously know it's where the Constitution. I'm going. It's the, it's the United States Constitution. Yeah, but, but but let's bear in mind the Constitution is interpreted by the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that the U.S. Constitution does give the federal yeah. government the right to F mandate yes. that states cannot okay. segregate. Again, let's let's not rewrite history, though. FDR packed the courts with five additional with five. It doesn't. It doesn't. It really it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It, doesn't matter. It, it does matter because if if you have a corrupt government, listen. This is this is from our founders directly. Our our founders made it very clear, and this this permeates across every spectrum of political belief. Our founders then, are very then clear. What you, then the answer to the question that you want to give me, Daniel, is FDR packed the courts. Had FDR not packed the courts, had the courts not been packed by FDR, which they weren't because of stitch in time that saved nine, he did not, he did not expand the courts. He was in office for four, he was elected to presidency four, four times. Yeah. So he got more nominees than most people did. <laughs> he didn't no, pack. He, he, changed, you know, he actually changed the amount of, uh, in court, he changed the amount of judges on the court. That's not true. He tried to, he was not able to. Feel you, free you to look it up. Look it up, yeah. Go for it. He he tried to change the number of justices on the court, but he was unable to. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're, you're right. So he just threatened the use of You them. can give up oh. looking it up for it, Maggie, because Daniel just did no, no, yeah, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He, he threatened to pack the courts in order to get his way. He bullied the way out. But he That's did right. not I'm pack sorry. the courts. I'm sorry. You're, you you're, can't say that people bully. People bully all the damn time. Mitch McConnell does it. Oh, Chuck yeah, Schumer no, does no. it. FDR Harry Reid did it. Bullies. The progressive That's politics. Was, so, okay, but he so, did but, not. He did not expand the the, the courts. So, but got, what I'm what I'm getting from, at? Did he get his way from the courts? Did he get his way? So, he, sure, but so did okay. so did Donald Trump, right? How did Donald Trump, Donald, Donald Trump, like I said, I, I don't have Mitch faith in McCon Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell refused to to allow a hearing for, for Merrick Garland. I think it was abhorrent and, and, and completely wrong and immature, but other people would argue, well, but it's his right as a senator to choose when they vote on a, on a nominee. I think that's bullshit, but he says that's the rules. And obviously he said you don't vote during a presidential election year, but this then is, Amy well, Coney I'm Barrett came in and he had no problem voting on her well, two weeks on. before the the election. That's the rules of the Senate. He can do it. I think he's a dick for it, but he legally is allowed to do it. So this, FDR... This this brings, well, this brings, this, no, no, this brings up a really good point of the theater that's being played, right? The smoke and mirror. Oh, so Mer I'm with you there. No, 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 no. The, the Merrick Garland situation is a great example. So the left takes a loss by not getting Merrick Garland into the Supreme Court. Yet a mere two years later, Merrick Garland, Garland's now in much more power. He's, he's running the FBI as our attorney general, and he just summons the FBI to be involved with our— with That is uh, one of the craziest things I've heard. Merrick Garland would gladly give up being the attorney general to have a lifetime appointment. <laughs> to the Supreme Court instead of a one-term appointment as, as an attorney general. He gave, you know, anyway, that, I want to get back to the question I was asking you before, because we're talking yeah. about states' rights. Yeah. And had, had FDR not done what he did in your terms, in your terms, he did get a lot more um, justices on the bench. Had he not done that, your argument would be that the Constitution does say that states get to make these laws, and therefore yeah. the federal government has no role in doing it. Therefore, the next logical argument would be, in that case, it was legal for the states of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, et cetera, to have slavery legalized in their countries. Now, whether or not we agree and we all think it's abhorrent, I, I'm sure you don't support slavery. I'm not trying to imply that you do. But while you may find it abhorrent, and if you don't, by all means, please tell me. I'd love to make that news, but I know you don't. <laughs> I'm sure you find it abhorrent. Correct. But while you might find it abhorrent, 
you still believe that it was the right of the states to make it to pass that abhorrent law, um, even though it, even though we don't agree with it, they had the right to allow slavery to be legal in those states, and the federal government had no right to stop them. Yeah, this is the unfortunate example. This is the unfortunate leverage that this argument has against it, which is we have to use the most sensitive, most indoctrinated thing that has happened in American history to leverage what was so beautiful about our country, which was states having the individual rights to make sure the federal government didn't advance the way that it has. And this is exactly what has happened in our history. We've taken but there was time. a line, is my point. There, there was there, a point where states' rights probably weren't the best idea, right? Well, no, no. Th again, that's a revisionist version of history because in my estimation, what happened at that point when, when uh, listen. I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to hear you defend this one. It's very unfortunate that we now are in a situation where we can't advocate for the beauty of what a state's rights republic look like and the beauty of that. We can't even have an argument or a conversation on how beautiful that was because the most sensitive part of our history has been exposed and exploited by just this radical agenda to divide us and to conquer us from within. I don't appreciate the concept of why not look at the beauty of what states' rights provided us? Why not look at what how but wonderful I, I, it was? Listen, I want to give you that because to believe it or not, and you may not believe it because I, I am a liberal and I'm not ashamed of it at all. But I do also believe that states should have rights. And I have said on this show many times that people forget in this country we aren't necessarily one nation. We are 50 countries, 50 small countries that have banded together for a defense pact, essentially. I mean, that's sure. the role, was initially the role of the federal government. And that's I right. actually believe in states' rights. I think what I'm sensing, though, is that the difference between us is that I believe in states' rights until the states fuck it up. <laughs> no, and no, it sounds to me like maybe – Until you perceive they fuck it up. Well, I would perceive that if a state passed a law that said that any other person could own another person, then yes, I would perceive that to be a fuck up. And I would perceive that that would be the limit to where we say, okay, states should have many rights, but here's the line. And I'm just trying to find out from you – where is the line? Because it sounds like instead of saying, you know what? Owning another human being was the line. It sounds like you're saying, no, we shouldn't think about that because we should think about all the great things that states' rights have. Just tell me, Daniel, is there a point where states should not be able to do certain things? No, there's not. The states have the right in this, in this constitutional republic, the states have the right to dictate the law of their land. The federal government had no authority, none to do any of the things that they've been progressing doing specifically over the last 20 years. This is what happened. Inclu up, to up to and including slavery. Clay, that is such a— No, like I'm I, not, said, I, 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 I am I, handing I, you I, this on a silver I'm platter, Daniel. I, I'm not, giving you an opportunity I'm today gonna, to say, listen. you know what? I do think that there are some limits that should be put on states. I do think that states should not be allowed they, to they force were, people to, to live in slavery. They were spelt those those limits were spelled out very clearly constitutionally, and I'm sorry to tell you this, but when it comes to this argument and when it comes to this like this idea, if you cannot say to me <laughs> right now, what's that? 
Listen, listen. I'm, I mean, the, the whole point of I, I, no, no. I, the no, whole point of no, this I show. I know. I believe in states' rights. I believe in states' rights. I believe. How the heck? How the heck are we going to get along? Is the whole point of this show. Right. But but and and you know, there was no confusion to you when you agreed to come on this show that I am a Democrat and and I think and I hope that we we have conservatives on all the time to talk to them. And I don't expect to agree with people on everything. Sure. But if you can't say to me now that there. That, that slavery or Jim Crow or restricting the freedoms of a person based on the race or the color of their skin was not too far and was not the line at which no longer should states have that right. Then I'm handing on, you an opportunity to say, up, you know what, there is, too, there is a line. Okay, Clay, let me, I want to ask you, I want to think about the question you just asked. Inside of those state governments, there was a process in place to ensure that their citizens were not treated in, in a, in a uh, fashion that was inappropriate, such as slavery. Slavery is completely disgusting. The concept of slavery is completely disgusting. We're the Wait, first are country- you trying to tell me that there was a system in place in the state of North Carolina in 1845 that made sure that citizens, black North Carolinians, were protected? What was that system? Black people couldn't vote. Yeah, I, I gather that, Clay. I, they I were counted as three-fifths okay, I, again, of a person. Like I said, it's, it's really easy in this type of argument to create a, a sensitivity profile and, and try to pin people against me and say, hey, you know, like, but let's face it. There was the, the majority of the northern – all the northern colonies, that argument was already won. Everyone knew slavery was on the way out the door. No one wanted slavery. It was it was on its, its exiting. No one in America even liked it. There was a small portion of people that still clung on to slavery. You know what was really going on at that time though? There was there was a there was a discussion happening of whether or not the states had the right to make determinations that the federal government was saying that they had the right to determine. Now, as a result of that, we ushered in a lot of progressive things, a lot, and they did it under the guise of exploiting this very sensitive inform- this very sensitive subject on people. And I would I would look at anyone. I listen. If you talk to anyone, I grew up in, in New York in, in an environment where there was no talk of racism. I grew up in an environment where we, I, my listen, friend, you and I could agree we, on this it, for it, it, hours. You and I could agree on this for hours because I know where you're heading. We could agree on this for hours, but unless you're able to say it was too far for states to have the right to allow someone to own someone else. I've never done this. We've been doing this show for a a year and a half. So so there is a limit to states' rights. And one of that, and that limit should be a state cannot allow someone to own another person. I'm not suggesting that it's not too far. I'm suggesting that the process in which to eradicate that type of behavior was outlined in that state constitution and was already being done. State constitution did not allow those who are being oppressed to vote, Daniel. Clay, but it was happening. It was happening at the time. If you go back in history and you look at what's happening in the northern states, that was contagious. There was a reason that majority of Americans got behind making sure that that was eradicated you know from what, our society. Folks, we've done this show for a year and a half. Um, we've had people on for all year, for every episode, every yeah. week, every single week for a year and a half who I disagreed with. And we've always looked to try to figure out how the heck are we going to get along this is the first time that we can't. What? This is the first <laughs> time right in now. a year and a half that we can't because you cannot simply because you're continuing to defend non. Not, don't put you words in my mouth. I don't put words in my mouth. That's, That's not despicable. fair. I mean, you're, you're, I've you're, asked you. I've asked you 
if there is a point at which states should not be allowed to make a law, and you have said, well, those states had a constitutional right within their constitutions in their states, they were protecting people. Left to their own devices, none of those southern states would have abolished slavery. I disagree. Of course it was going to happen. Daniel McCarthy, Maggie Vandenberg from yeah. the Arizona Patriot slavery was out the door, Clay. You guys have to resort to slavery in order to try to. You Thank have to, you so you much for, black for community. coming on. Do you exploit the black community? To I'm try not to exploiting anybody. I'm just. Do. I mean, this I agree with you. How the heck are we going to get along? We probably are. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much.